Welcome, one and all, to this A Fantasy in Two Acts, presented most humbly for your pleasure. We bring you drama and magic, angels and demons, a tale of mysterious plague, of nightmares made flesh, of a war fought both in this world and those immeasurably distant. A war, in fact, fought through the mists of time itself. It will make you gasp. It will make you weep. It may even make some of you wake up. And so, as our tale begins, we meet one of our heroes, a woman of heart and steel, an adventurous beyond measure, a beauty from beyond, Miss Polly Wright. What? Oh. Oh. I don't... Oh, my head. Get up. Come on, you need to play along. Where am I? I don't remember. Look at me. Look into my eyes. You know me. Maybe even trust me. You need to do this. It's important. Polly was once a simple girl from London. Simple? But then she met that mysterious traveller, the Doctor, and noble Ben Jackson, sailor of the Seven Seas, Together, they went on to explore magical worlds and impossible places. Impossible places, yes. Uh, on the subject of which, where am I? Some sort of stage? But there's no audience. It, it's just black. Empty. Please. I know this is confusing, but they're out there, the audience. You can't see them, but they're listening, and we need to tell them the story. Story? What happened in Wild Heath, the dreams, the, the monsters. Wild Heath, yes, the dreams. Oh, I, can, I can almost remember oh, what's happened to me. My head so confused. It'll get easier as you go on. The more we tell the story, the more you'll remember. And we need to tell the story. It's the only thing that will save them. Save who? Everyone. I can't think. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Aren't you the lucky one? It'll come back to you as we go. Now, quickly, we need to tell them how you arrived before we lose their attention completely. The Doctor, Ben and Polly had been travelling in their cabinet of wonders. That miraculous engine that ferries them along Time's River to worlds greater than the mind can fathom. Oh, the TARDIS! One fresh winter's morning, it appeared in the woods, just outside the village of Wild Heath. Oh, it's not really the TARDIS, it's just the front. 
It's only a sheet of wood with the doors cut out of it. Step out of it. Walk through the doors. It's solid now. The whole thing. Because the more we interact with the story, the more we believe in it, the more real it becomes. Oh, we're losing the audience. We have to do this properly. Here, where have you taken us to now, Doctor? Middle of nowhere, by the looks of it. You sound just like Ben. Of course I do, Duchess. Uh, play along. All right. <clears throat> it's a forest, Doctor. Do you hear that? Wind. Trees. Keep going. Uh, yeah, well, I bet it won't be long before someone's trying to have a go at us. We'll be up to our necks in it soon enough. Say something. But who's going to play the Doctor? You do it. Oh, uh, um, uh, well, Mr Jackson, um, uh, I, th I think you'll find the TARDIS has... Do the voice. The what? The Doctor's voice. Oh. <clears> hmm. <throat> Honestly, Mr. Jackson, if you approach every new arrival with that attitude, there's no point ever leaving the ship. Yes, this all looks most pleasant. Most pleasant indeed. Uh, come on, then. We may as well take a look around, I suppose. Look, houses through the trees. Yeah, little village or something. <laughs> Wonder if they've got a pub. I show you the whole universe, and the first thing you hope for on landing is a public house, my boy. <sighs> I begin to wonder if I'm teaching you young people anything. Yeah, well, I'm hungry, ain't I? Could murder a nice pub lunch. Oh, ploughman's extra pickles. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure they've even invented a ploughman's lunch yet. It looks like we've gone back a few years, eh, Doctor? Hmm. Going by the construction of the houses, I'd say 16th century. Right. Maybe I could get a commission with Sir Francis Drake. Um... Why is everyone staring at us? You probably look a bit weird, Paul. Speak for yourself, Ben Jackson. Don't come any closer! Hang on, who was that? Well, I was being one of the villagers. Oh, right. Sorry. Carry on. Don't come any closer! I assure you, sir, we mean no harm. My friends and I are travellers and... Travellers? Then you're doubly unwelcome. Oh, in these days of disease, who can know what pestilence you bring with you? Pestilence? Oh, Doctor, let's just leave. Wait. Doctor, you are schooled in matters of physic. Ah, uh, well, I have a vague understanding of medical matters, but really... We are in dire need of your help. The village is stricken by a malady that we cannot explain. A sleeping sickness that brings forth demons to torment us. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm by no means sure I can help. Wait. You say demons. Oh, here we go. Well, it would be remiss of us not to offer what help we can. Lead on, sir. Lead on. And so the doctor and his friends were led through the village. They watched the other villagers openly afraid, peering out from behind half-closed doors, many running when they saw the new arrivals. The street through the village emptying as they passed. Then finally, they arrived at the door of a small house. Wait! You're missing something. Really? Yes. We saw... You! We saw you! Oh, look! Who are they? Strolling players, here to entertain with plays and songs. 
Though we are oddly in the mood for such things. Strolling players? Greetings, fellow travellers of the road. Hello. Fellow travellers? Don't you believe it, mate? Yes, yes, all very charming, I'm sure, but... Oh, that's most unexpected. Yes, most unexpected indeed. You know the bloke, Doctor? Hmm? Ah, I hardly think so. Ah, he must just have one of those faces. Uh, lead on, sir. Show us these poor, sickly unfortunates. That was weird. The doc definitely seemed to recognise him. I can't see how he could, though, can you? No, suppose not. Better? He did know you, though, didn't he? Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Now, uh, where were we? Oh, yes. And so they arrived at the home of one of the sick. Ooh, that's very good. It's painted to look just like the house. Yeah, I have the best sets in the business. <laughs> they knocked on the door. How do we do that when it's made out of canvas? That's what your boot heels are for. But my set may yet surprise you. How did you do that? I told you, the more we believe in things, the more real they become. The door opened to reveal the face of a tired, anxious old maid. Oh, shall I? If you wouldn't mind. Yes? What is it? Oh, whoa! Such misery! The morning I've had! Oh, don't ask! Oh! Ah! Steady on. Oh, just giving it a bit of welly. With both feet. Oh, hang on. Um, I'll be the villager again. Good Mother Honeydew, I bring a man of physic who may be able to help. Fine. Bring him in. From one extreme to the other, some actors just can't take a note. He's just through there, but mind the sprites they try and bite. Sprites? Curious. Yes, most curious. Curious? It's a little blooming pest is what it is. Get off! Careful, Ben, you might hurt it. Hurt it? I'll swat it given half a chance. I doubt that, my boy, I doubt that very much. If you'll notice, your hand passes right through it. It is always so. The visions that appear around the diseased are as insubstantial as air. And vanish as swiftly as they appear. Most fascinating. Now, let me examine the patient. Fascinating? It's weird is what it is. Now, let me see. The patient is male, some sign of slight malnutrition, about 50 years of age. He has not reached his 40th year. Uh, <coughs> oh, yes, uh, forgive me. Looks can be deceptive. I should know, hmm? <laughs> they aged a bit swift in the old days, eh, Duchess? Shh, he might hear you. Oh, I doubt that. Look at him. He's dead to the world. Yes, this is certainly no natural form of sleep. He shows very little response to the most basic of tests. Of course, with proper equipment, I could... Well, never mind about that. And you say the apparitions are linked to this man's condition? It is as if their very dreams come to life around them. We have seen ghosts of those long dead, and the creatures the likes of which none could imagine. Well, they're obviously imagining them. Dreams come into life? Who'd believe it? Hmm, some form of psychoactive virus? A disease that affects not only the body, but the mind? Show me the others who've been affected. Find out. We need to get rid of our cottage. I keep remembering more and more of what happened. Told you you would. 
And so the doctor, Ben and Polly walked from home to home, visiting the sick. In each dwelling lay a victim of the disease, lost to the world in sleep. And around them, the phantasms of dreams. Oh! And what's that supposed to be? A haunted washing line? They're ghosts. <laughs> They're badly painted bedsheets held up with string. Just go with it. Use your imagination. Oh, save me from people who moan about the effects. They keep telling the story. Make it exciting. Make it exciting. Well, I suppose one of us has to. In each house there was a different horror. We saw the pale, ghostly faces of dead loved ones hovering over the beds as if waiting for the sleeping victim to join them. We saw creatures from legend. Giants, <laughs> ogres, <laughs> fairies, <laughs> and animals that spoke with the voice of men. Blah, 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 blah. Relics of fireside <laughs> stories, of midnight tales of terror, given flesh and brought into our world to spread fear. We even saw the ghosts of the sleeping people, their younger selves, memories brought to life in the shadows around their sickbeds. Scared children acting out nightmares gone by. That was very good. Not bad for a simple girl from London, eh? And then, outside... <laughs> what is it? It's a dinosaur or something. Nonsense, my boy. That's not a creature that ever walked this earth. Look at it. That is a dragon. God save us! It will burn our homes to ashes! But the fire, it, it really is hot. Of course it is. What do you expect? But don't you see? All the things we've seen, the, the dreams, none of them are real. They, you can't touch them. They can't touch you. So, so why is the fire actually hot? Yes, yeah, she's got a point, you know. Can it be getting stronger, perhaps? If the virus feeds off mental energy, it's entirely conceivable that the more victims it drains, the more potent the visions become. Oh, that's just great. So it can hurt us. More strange than true, I never may believe. These antique fables, nor these fairy toys. <laughs> Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. Oh, that was far too close. Have to be stronger. Have to believe. He's just standing there, the idiot. It'll kill him. The lunatic, the lover and the poet are of imagination all compact. One sees more devils than vast hell can hold. That is the madman, the lover, all as frantic, sees Helen's beauty in a brow of Egypt. The poet's eye, in fine frenzy rolling, doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven. And as imagination bodies forth, the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives to airy nothing, a local habitation and a name. It's fading. Look. It's actually fading away. Such tricks have strong imagination that if it would but apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy. Or in the night, imagining some fear, how easy is a bush supposed a bear? Well, there we are. And not a hair singed. 
How did you do it? I killed it. With the power of Shakespeare. Oh, seriously? I explained at the time. Did you? Uh, oh, yes. Yes, maybe you did. Why is my memory such a mess? You remember when the story needs you to. The story is everything. No, that's not quite it. Uh, belief in the story is everything. Which is why we need to get back to it. How did you pull that off, then? I imagine it was some form of psychic attack. You projected a perception counterwave, negating the transubstantiation of the biddlybobs to the thingamiwatsits, and flubulized the ballyhoo? I beg your pardon? I didn't understand a word of what he was saying. Ah, yeah, I suppose it doesn't matter. I decided it didn't exist and told it so. Well, I'm glad it listened. Oh, with theatrical delivery like mine, how could it not? Theseus's speech from A Midsummer Night's Dream? Indeed. Are you quite sure Mr Shakespeare has written it yet? I can't swear to it, but I won't tell his lawyers if you don't. Hang on. Are you saying that you're... A traveller. Just like the Doctor here. In fact, we both hail from the same distant kingdom. Oh, but that means... We don't need to go into all that. So, having rescued the village from the savage threat of the dragon, we... Wait a minute. I want to discuss it. My memory still isn't clear. You and the Doctor are from the same place. Yes, but now really isn't the time to go into it. I'm building up to a dramatic moment. We've just fought a dragon. Well, sort of. How much more drama do we need? Besides, after that, we just sat and talked for a bit, didn't we? You, me and the Doctor and... Oh! Oh, no! I'd forgotten about Ben! Yes, you had rather, hadn't you? Here. I don't feel so good. Ben? Weird. Just come over me. So tired. I can't even... Ben! Doctor, help! He's fallen asleep! No ordinary sleep, I'll warrant. He's caught the sickness. Oh, dear, yes. Most probable, most probable indeed. We should get him somewhere comfortable. Uh, my caravan will do. What are we going to do? H how can we cure him? If we knew that... There will be a way, my girl, never fear. I shall do my very best for him. Help me with him! Oh, Ben... Will he be all right? If we keep telling the story, they all will. That's the point. But it doesn't make sense. Tell the story? Who to? There's nobody out there. Of course there is. Hang on. Actually, I can hear something. Is that... Is that breathing? We're losing them again. Please, for Ben's sake, for everyone's sake. We have to keep going. It sounds so far away. When we're stood back there, it feels like we're just in a large room. A, well, a theatre. But here, right on the edge of the stage, it's as if the auditorium stretches on forever. If I jumped off here, what would happen to me? I wouldn't fall into rows of seats, that's for sure, because there aren't any seats, are there? Just darkness, stretching on and on. And in the darkness, breathing and whatever that is. That's our little theatre falling apart. And if that happens, all is lost. Please, come back from the edge. All right. I trust you. I don't know why, 
Still, I wish the doctor were here. He'd know what to do. And I don't. Oh, you know what I mean. You mean you're used to doing what he tells you? Coming from me, you really have to think about it. I can make up my own mind, you know. I don't wander around hoping someone will tell me what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I know, that's not what I meant. Sorry. But I do know what's best right now. I promise, and we need to carry on. Fine. But hang on. Where is the doctor? You'll remember soon enough. Uh, we carried young Ben Jackson to my caravan. Not the most luxurious of resting places, perhaps. A life on the road makes untidy men of the best of us. And yet there, between the piles of costumes and posters for theatrical adventures long past, we were able to make him comfortable. But of course, our real problems were only just beginning. Oh, poor Ben. I do hope he'll be all right. He's the least of our worries. For you, maybe, but he's our friend. Yes, yes, I know that, but the bigger picture, the bigger picture is more worrying than you can possibly imagine. Yes. Well, I might expect someone like you to have that attitude, young man. Young man? I'm older than you, as it happens. I'm just weathering it better. What do you mean by coming here, eh? Is this sickness you're doing? I won't stand for it, you hear? I won't stand for it at all. Of course it's not my doing. What a ridiculous thing to say. Since when have our people done anything like this? So why are you here, hmm? Pretending to pass yourself off as a cheap theatrical? It's not pretense, actually. I've been touring the country for months and very much enjoying it. But then I found myself press-ganged into meeting you. Meeting me? There's a war. And our enemies have been interfering with your timeline. Nonsense! I don't have time to stand here listening to this rubbish. There are things to be done. Oh, they warned me it might be difficult, but I didn't realise you were quite so pig-headed. Pig-headed? How dare you? Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. oh that, that's not... Oh. oh, no, not now. Not yet. Doctor! The disease? No, not this time. This body of his is worn out. He's been pushing it too hard, going on too long. But if he dies now, the damage to the timeline will be inconceivable. Doctor, can you hear me? Hmm. Oh, my child. What was... Oh, this isn't good. I'm sorry. I really shouldn't... It's all right, Doctor. We'll get you on your feet again. Uh, Just relax. I fear maybe my time has come. So many years. Running away from death. Yes. So many years, but not now. Not leaving you here like this. Oh, my child, I'm so sorry. I, I never meant to... <sighs> Doctor? Doctor! It's no use, I'm afraid. He can't hear you. But he can't have gone. He can't! <laughs> <laughs> Just die! Not like this! Doctor! The noble doctor breathes his last In time poor Polly trapped Mark you listen thy attention fast When we start our second act
That was a cheap, dirty trick. It was drama. Drama loves a bit of cheap and dirty. The doctor's not really dead, though. Is he? Not quite, but he's close. I may have exaggerated to hold the audience's attention between acts, but I didn't entirely lie. But I believed it. Even when you started playing the doctor, doing his voice instead of me, I was so caught up in it that I actually... I thought you were him. I thought he was dying right there in front of me. Which goes to show what a marvellous actor I am, eh? Sorry. I wasn't meaning to be cruel. But after we nearly lost the audience's attention, I knew I had to do something dramatic to get them back on side. Talking of which, we better get ready. We've only got a small gap between acts. For now, they're happy. But when the second act starts, I really need you to keep up with the story. It gets very exciting in a minute. Lots of effects. Lots of shouting. Well, maybe if you explained all this a bit better, I would understand why it's so important. Ah, uh, but if I explain, then the artifice is broken and the audience won't like it. There's a time and place for explanations, and it's not yet. You have to leave those to the end. That's how stories work. You'll just have to trust me. But surely you can explain a bit. You said the audience were happy at the moment. They won't mind. I did, and hopefully they are. But you can't always tell with an audience. You can't please everyone. Some people will be enjoying it. Others might drift off. Still, I can't just disrupt the whole thing. I'm talking like this for a few moments is fine. But tearing apart the structure of the story? Break the rules and kill the drama? No, that would ruin everything. And what we're doing, it'll save Ben and the Doctor? Yes. For a while, at least. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you will lead such dangerous lives. And I meant what I said about the Doctor. His time is close. He's not the man he once was. You can't run forever. It's all we ever seem to do. And you do it so well. It all sounds terribly exciting. So, are you ready to finish? I suppose so. Good. Then let's get on with it. As the doctor grew weaker, he fell into sleep. But there was little time to attend him because, in the street outside, a greater trouble was abroad. Put on the wig. I am, I am. Avast, ye hearties! Give us your doubloons or I'll flay you alive! <laughs> Pirates? That's all we need. Pirates that are about a hundred miles from the sea and a hundred years from their date of birth. Eh? Oh, someone's dreaming them. Your young friend, I imagine. Met any pirates recently? Uh, a while back now, I suppose, but yes, we did. Mm, wonderful. I wonder what else you might dream up. I don't suppose uh, we might be lucky enough that you've had a quiet time of late? Uh... 
Ireland the steam-powered robots with the laser beams would be? The Confederate of Liverpool. Never heard of them. They weren't very impressive, to be honest. We put one over on them really easily. The doctor overstoked the great boiler of smog and blew up their city. How incendiary of him. Well, they're more than enough to make mincemeat of a small village of 16th century peasants. Well, what should we do? Clear the streets for a start. They seem to be clearing just fine without our help. And actually, it looks like our apparitions may deal with each other. Avast, ye metal poltroon! He'll not steal our bounty! Death to all flesh forms! Stoke the weapons' fires! Ah! Warning! Safety flues disrupted! Critical meltdown in progress! Stand back, lads! The smoking swine looks fit to blow! The sky filled with smoke and flame. And bits of pirate. As the exploding metal monster destroyed not only his fellows, but the frilly-haired knaves who had engaged them in battle. Boom! Boom! Told you they were easy to deal with. They're really not designed awfully well. Yes, not surprised I'd never heard of them. They were rubbish. Are you complaining? Better than have the whole village torn apart and us with it. Oh, it may still come to that. Get inside your homes, find somewhere safe to hide and stay there. One of the villagers has been hurt. Help me with them. Devils! Phantasms of an ungodly nature come to drag us all to hell. I wouldn't go that far. Besides, you'll be fine, just a bit singed. Whoever was in that cottage the steam-powered idiot shot at may not have been so lucky. Open up! We need to get this man inside! Where can we put him? Anywhere will do. We're beyond fine details at this point, Miss Wright. We just need to batten down the hatches until I can figure out a workable solution to all this. Uh, uh, And who is it that suddenly put you in charge? If you have any ideas, I'd like to hear them. Tell me, do you have much experience of psychoactive viruses? That's a trick question and really annoying. Of course I don't. I suppose you do? Actually, no, not so much. But between us, we should be able to think of something. Foolish mortals, you have disturbed my undead breast. A curse on you and your lying. Oh, shush. I'm trying to think. But look at it. It, It's... Some sort of pantomime idea of a ghost. What do you expect when people of limited imagination are in charge? Hardly anything to worry about. I will drag you to the infernal fires of damnation. I will bind your souls to the chains of foul Lucifer. Really? And how do you plan on doing that? You're a ghost, apparently, and ghosts can't touch anything. (laughs) Good point. Apparitions are just annoying distractions. It's more aggressive dreams we have to worry about, especially if... Oh, no. What? We need to get back to the doctor. How dare you turn your backs on me? Foolish mortals, come back here. Not today, thank you. (laughs) Oh, well, that was a bit disappointing. You were a moment of light relief. Don't worry about it. All stories need them. Things were about to get immeasurably worse. With the doctor so weakened, it could only be a matter of time before he too succumbed to the virus. How could he not? He had no strength to fight it. What's that you've got? Something monstrous. 
Something monstrous made out of wood and animal skins. Squint a bit if it helps. And if there was one man who could dream the most terrifying creatures, monsters from the entire breadth of creation, beasts capable of tearing the entire village apart, it was a man who had spent a good deal of his life fighting such horrors. I suppose the claws are quite good. Stand back a bit while I work the pedals. Pass me that cone. Um, here you go. Thanks. Puny human scum, you will fall before our power. Death to all humans! Attention, people of Earth. We will lay waste to your settlements. We will feed on your young and lay eggs in the hearts of your leaders. Look at it! It's huge! And considerably more dangerous than a floating spook. Get to the caravan, quick! Duck! Mind its claws! How do we fight it? We can't. Just keep ahead of it. Ah. Oh, easier said than done! It's huge! Ridiculous little creatures. Bow before me. Get to us inside here. I'll worry about that in a minute. Get in! Uh, 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 what are you going to do? Try and convince the doctor to stop dreaming. Contact. It's vanished. How did you do that? I linked with his mind. Not easy when he's asleep and it may not work for long. Still, it's brought us a bit of breathing room. And it's given me an idea. I'm pleased to hear it. We're going about this all wrong. This is a virus that makes dreams real. It adds flesh and bone to the stuff of imagination. Yes, we all know that. And yet we're stuck here on the outside dealing with the fallout. What we need to do is climb into this shared dreamscape, this world of imagination, and try and affect the outcome from there. Now you've lost me. Whatever the sleepers think manifests itself into reality. Yes. So we need to get in there and make the reality. If we're controlling it, then we can make it do whatever we want. Shift everything our way. And how do we get in there? We infect ourselves, of course. Already done in my case, as I've just linked with the doctor's mind. I should be able to share that easily enough with you, if you'll let me. But that's a terrible idea. Once we're asleep, we won't be able to do anything. Ah, uh, sleep, yes. Sleep perchance to dream. <laughs> do you trust me? Um, not sure. Maybe? That'll do. Come here. Sit in front of me so I can link to your mind. I'm not sure about this. Oh, it'll be fine. Building dreams? I'm a storyteller. That's what we do. And that's what this is. This theatre, all of it, you're dreaming it. We both are. And out there, in the darkness... The dreamers. The other sufferers. Precisely. Lots of mental energy to call on. So, we tell them this story, remind them who they are and what's happened, and then... I do wish you'd stop setting those things off. They always make me jump. What's this now? Uh, my medical equipment, with which I've brewed the cure. As simple as that. Never complicate your stories with confusing scientific nonsense. It's usually completely unnecessary. Now, shush. Remember, it's all about belief. The cure will work because they think it will. And here it is. 
A flask of potion that will wipe this disease from the ailing mind of the whole village. With this, we're all saved. Everyone will wake up and all of the dream monsters will vanish. All I have to do is throw it here. Ah, it's like a firework. All those colours. The magic potion falling into the minds of everyone here. Wake up, my friends. Wake up. Are you sure it's working? We can prove it is. And as the cure spread out through the dreamers, back in the village, all the sleepers began to wake. It's a miracle. He's woken up. Oh, the Lord up. be praised. She just opened her eyes and the ghosts vanished into thin air. They were all around her and now... I don't gone. understand it, but he's as right as can be now. And no idea why we were all fussing over him. Oh, and let us not forget... Oh, here, Paul. What's going on? I think I dozed off for a minute there. Oh, Ben! <laughs> and what about the... Ah, uh, not just yet. We leave him until last. So that's it? We just wake up, we've saved everybody? And this time all it took was a bit of imagination and a lot of theatrical license. I imagine you missed all the tedious running and screaming and being captured. Ha ha. There's a little more to life in the TARDIS than all that, you know. I know. And we did have some good monsters and a little bit of running around here and there. For what it's worth, I'm jealous. Yours is a lifestyle I could happily call my own. Well, perhaps with a little less mortal danger. I'm all for fun, but the constant threat of death would wear me down a tad. Maybe the Doctor would let you come with us. Oh, I doubt that very much. Besides, while I've been lucky enough to avoid the attention of our people for quite some while, I'm clearly on their radar now. And that's bad? Probably. Oh, but before you go, I'm afraid I need a word with the Doctor. Oh, well, if he's all right now, you can chat to him whenever you like. Uh, not out there. It's a conversation that needs a bit of privacy. Here, in the dreaming, we can ensure we're not overheard. But... He's not here. Uh, there's just me. Are you sure? Well, what do you want? Get on with it. I have things to do. And there you are. Hello, Doctor. Uh, oh, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, I mean, I didn't say that. Well, well, my voice did, but... Uh, it's all right. His consciousness is here with us in the audience. The same as all the other dreamers. He just hasn't woken up yet. Just let him speak. It won't cause you any discomfort. And where do you think you've earned the right to use her like a puppet, hmm? Well, strictly speaking, Doctor, it's you who are doing that. Besides, as I say, it won't harm her. And she won't remember what we've discussed, I suppose? I imagine she'll remember very little about this entire mess. The mind is very good at cleaning up after itself. So what do you want? I want you to get in your TARDIS and leave. As simple as that? As simple as that. As long as you go where our people want you to go. <laughs> I rather thought it might be like that. It's where you were always supposed to go. When I told you before that your timeline had been interfered with, I was telling the truth. By whom? The enemy. Do the details really matter? You'll be heading to the South Pole. Lewis. <laughs> that unnecessary winter clothing. Of course. So that's when it was done. To the South Pole? And why is it so important that I go there, might I ask? Do you really want to know? Will I even remember what you tell me? Possibly. Possibly not. I suppose you deserve the truth, even if it's a bit of a risk. 
You're going to die there. Hardly a very attractive proposition. No, not very. When you say die, do you mean... Oh, you'll go on. Another you. The new you. <laughs> From what they've told me, he's quite fun. Fun? How irritating. And he'll be useful in this war of yours, will he? No, not him. Or even the him that follows. You will have lots of new faces before you become the man we need. But the enemy are known for their belt and braces approach. They thought to catch you early. Get your entire life off track from the beginning, as it were. Our people were fixing it. Uh, until the South Pole. That was too close to... Uh... Oh, so many things. And then the enemy sent this virus to stop you putting it right yourself. Or being helped to do so, eh? As I say, belt and braces. It could have been worse. They could have just blown up the Earth. But then they would have disrupted their own timeline a little too much. I don't suppose I really have a choice. Of course you do. We always have choices. You could run away. That's worked for you in the past, after all. But if I do... Many more will die, yes. We need you. <sighs> Very well. You'll do it? Did you doubt I would? No, not really. You're a better man than me. I've been avoiding the war for years. Hiding away behind grease paint and painted backcloths. But now they've found you. Yes. So, to the front lines we go. At least you get to take the scenic route. So, one more adventure. One more mystery to solve. Yes. But don't worry. It's a good one. Well, perhaps it's for the best. I am tired. Ironic, really. Because it's time you woke up. Boom. Time for us all to wake up, in fact. A shame. I was beginning to rather like it in here. Oh, how do you feel? Confused. We all do. I know we did something, didn't we? We did. Something absurd and fun and amazing. And I couldn't have done it without you. You saved the world, Polly, right? Lots of worlds, actually. Well, I wish I could remember it. No, you don't. Your life is full of absurd and fun and amazing. You won't miss a little bit more. It'll be fine. Off to pastures new, new adventures. New dangers? Always new dangers. Yes, always. But lots of good, too. You help a lot of people, you know. Make people's lives better. Just hearing about your stories always puts a smile on my face. Then I shall take a bow. Encore! <laughs> you better dash along. They're probably getting impatient. Yes. Sorry the doctor was so rude. He can be a little... Uh, yes, yes, he can. But then that's what makes him such fun. Don't worry. Once you've dressed as a woman and showered in the rotten fruit of a hostile audience, it takes more than the doctor's sharp tongue to spoil your day. 
Good. Well, bye then. Good luck. Nice to have met you. Probably. There she goes. Back into proper continuity. Back to familiar ground. The story we all remember. All ice and dead limbs creaking to life. It'll be wonderful. For a bit. <sighs> our revels now are ended. These, our actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. <laughs> and, like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherits shall dissolve. And like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. I'm Ian Atkins, I'm the producer of Doctor Who Companion Chronicles for Big Finish and the producer of this fourth story in this first Doctor set, uh, The Plague of Dreams by Guy Adams. I'd set up a little mini arc with this one so that we could kind of square the continuity of having Ben and Polly first Doctor stories. And um, actually I have to say I wasn't entirely sure about approaching this era with, with Ben and Polly um, but I'd spoken to Annika Wills about her memories of the era because I know from from some interviews and articles I've read about the time, you know, it was quite a troubled era, and and William Hartnell w wasn't particularly well, and he was leaving, um, and there are some people who don't speak well of that era at all. And I'd never actually spoken to Annika about it. Whenever she's been in the studio before, it'd always been kind of her experiences with Pat Troughton and and, and Fraser Hines, etc. Um, but I'd spoken to her about it and then she was really very positive about her time time there. I'm, I'm, she's very positive anyway, but it was really nice to hear her speaking like that. And I asked her if, if I could work, work away of it, whether she would actually be interested in doing a story in that era. And, 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 and quite typical of Annika, she just sort of, she leapt at it. The morning I've had! Oh, don't ask! Oh, ah! Steady on. Hello, I'm Annika Wills, and I have to tell you, because I played Polly 50 years ago. So, um, and here I am doing it again. I love it. Curious. <laughs> 
Yes, most curious. I think my spirit is still, you know, the body is aging, but 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 the spirit is still seven years old, you know. So, and playing Polly is like, I always say, it's like climbing into a pair of jeans that still fit <laughs> after all these years. To the South Pole, and why is it so important that I go there? Might I ask? He's got such an extraordinary voice, Bill Hartnell, and it's almost like it's compressed or so, which is hard, you know, because it's sort of, you know, as though he's kind of straining. And it's quite high, and and then he'll go off in a flurry, and then he'll be suddenly booming. It's an extraordinary voice. And then when you do Patrick, it when you listen to Patrick, it's so deep. It's so deep. And he could bring shades into his voice, um of such depth that it gives you shivers, it gives you goosebumps. And to be, you know, and to, to reproduce that, whoa, what a challenge. Also, what an honor. Having created that this sort of divergence from existing time, for a start, you know you've got to get back there in the end. And I, I wanted to actually do that sooner rather than later. I approached the, the author of this with quite a shopping list, um, actually, how he did it was completely down to him, but I, I wanted to get things back on the rails. Um, I wanted it to be, to give some nobility to the first Doctor's kind of last few days and, and his last adventure, because, I mean, I love 10th Planet on one level, but it, it's not a particularly great story for the Doctor. I've always felt it would have been nicer to give him a bit more control over it, I suppose, and, and a choice. and, and that's that final scene in this where the, the player is talking to the Doctor and does basically lay it out while being very enigmatic about what's going on in the future because that's that's obviously very dangerous and first law of time, etc. But it gives the Doctor the chance. He can keep on running and, and or he can actually make... He can save the future, really. I don't suppose I really have a choice. Of course you do. We always have choices. You could run away. That's worked for you in the past, after all. And I really like that. I hope other people do too. Um, and I hope it's kind of a tribute to William Hartnell in, in a small way, because without him, none of this would exist. And I think it's a nice way of marking an amazing piece of television. Those first three years, there is so much creativity. It sets, sets out the pitch for everything that follows. And, and I think the, the more you can nod and, and respect that, the better, really. And certainly with Big Finish, I don't think you ever forget those sort of debts to the, the earlier years. As soon as the script comes, then I get it ring-bound so that I can turn the pages over quickly, and then I'm at it and as much as I can, which at home I can do. So I will start 9 o'clock in the morning and work through to sort of 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, just go round it and over it and over it and over it. And then there comes a point where you think, OK, let it, it's cooked now, let it, let, it, let it sit. And then you leave it for I go off and weed my garden, and then after a few days, come back. This author is brilliant he is brilliant don't want to upset all the other authors because they were all good too but this is particularly special and i think because it's elizabethan theater it's elizabethan and i have a feeling that quite a few of us were as in other lifetimes we were in elizabethan theater we would be there you know and um, once we were asked up on stage it was terry malloy and can't remember who and me and we were all asked if you could have another life where do you think you would be and we all without checking in with each other we all said oh in the globe you see so i think that's particularly gives me a lot of joy to be to be playing in this dimension
Uh, I'm Guy Adams, and I wrote The Plague of Dreams. I, well, it's just once once you, once you strike an idea that pleases you, 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 you embrace it fully. So once I decided that uh, we needed a, a reason for Ben and Polly to actually be telling this tale, uh, and then the notion of this, this player character, the notion of making the whole thing a, a, a sort of Elizabethan play... Um, that in itself starts opening up more and more opportunities all the time. You think, okay, no, all the special effects should be created live by those characters. We, we, because, again, if you started adding uh, external special effects, that's going to sort of break the, the, the conceit of what's happening. Um, and so that gives you the great fun idea of how, how can we sort of move from one to the other, because you can then you can have the live stage effects then morphing slightly into real effects, and that will sound effective, and you think, but okay, if we're doing that, what within the story justifies that noise changing? And so all of these things feed into the now slightly strange and but story because the plague of dreams is about storytelling. That, uh, you know that this it's about the companion chronicles. It's about it's about us sitting listening to big Finnish Doctor Who stories. It's all of that has ended up feeding into this thing, which I didn't anticipate happening at the start, and and, and I now look at it and think. Wow, that's one of the strangest scripts I've written, but it, it clearly works. I'm just terribly happy, so that's fine. It's a story about stories, and again, I'm kind of wary about that because stories about stories is one thing. Writing about writing is another thing, and they can be confused. And I find writing about writing incredibly tedious, and I really didn't want it to be that, and I think that was my concern. Writers very easily fall into talking about writing because, especially busy writers, busy writers don't have a life. You know, I'm, I'm frequently asked people to say, "So, you know, what news have you got? What have you been up to?" Well, working, writing. You know, which sounds terribly fascinating to people that aren't writers until you try and discuss your working day with them, and then they realise that you're incredibly dull. And even we don't want to talk about our writing day in a way. But as soon as we start trying to tap into the real world, if you like to come up with our stories, naturally we're reaching out to the things that are most natural to us. And so this is why Stephen King's leading characters are so often writers. And people criticise that. But at the same time, I can understand these thinking. I can understand those people because I am one. Uh, but yeah, Plague of Dreams is, is about the art of, of storytelling, the act of storytelling, how, um, how telling a story brings it to life, um, how the experience of sitting listening to one of these stories that we know is artifice, that we know is false, um, and yet that process that goes on in our head through our headphones or however we choose to listen to these, um, where it stops becoming artificial and, and, and it becomes real, the same as when we pick up a book and we, I'm sure many people have read novels that they get to the end of and they actually think, I'm going to miss that person, as if they were, you know a friend they had for the length of reading this book, which is, you know, a very bizarre psychological thing. So I wanted the, the story to end up kind of being about the artifice and about how that does become real in our heads when we're experiencing the story, which makes me sound terribly deep, which is strange because I'm not. I'm very silly. Avast, ye hearties! Give us your doubloons or I'll flay you alive! <laughs> I adore um, early Doctor Who. It's I, people. I think sometimes forget the sheer ambitious scope of, of the black and white era of Doctor Who, particularly William Hartnell. I think um, just just the sheer creativity that outweighs the lack of finances or or not technical ability. Because I'm not suggesting anyone involved in the process wasn't good, but 
you know they had the technical abilities that that era of television had they were great within the limitations of that era of, of television so the opportunity to, to just go back into that sort of monochrome world is very exciting and Polly and Ben are just the greatest companions and unfortunately because we're losing we've lost such great chunks of, of their work they kind of get a little bit missed sometimes I think um so I, I think it's a great shame. It's, it's 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 lovely that you know with this range, we've opened it up. A, a we Ian has opened it up a little bit in order in order for for Polly and Ben to have a little uh, a greater moment in the sun. Uh, and yeah, the, the the method for doing that is 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 perhaps slightly complex. But what's important about it is the emotional aspect of. What a lovely idea it is of, of the dying doctor, whose body is wearing a little too thin, being so deeply reluctant, as we all would be, um, to die, to stop. So to, to create this, this, this extra little period of, of fragile determination to cling on, um, I think that's really potent. I think that's, that's a really interesting area to play in. And I meant what I said about the doctor. His time is close. He's not the man he once was. You can't run forever. You know, you've you've now got Ben and Polly with this this crumbling magician of, of, of a character that's the Doctor. It's great. So the shopping list for Guy was was largely to wrap it all up. I didn't really mind how he did it, but I was very specific in that I wanted that kind of choice about going back. Um, we wanted to be fairly enigmatic about the Time War, and indeed that there was a Time Lord in it, um, because again we're playing with established continuity there in that you can't talk too much about Time Lords and it's I don't know it just feels out of character if you if you go into it too much but but clearly the player is is from a much later time I mean everything from as far as they're concerned the Doctor's this hero who is currently trying to save them at that point rather than the renegade who, who's running around the universe trying to escape from them so um, yeah you didn't want to draw too much attention to that because it just feels like, I don't know, trying to slap a modern sensitivity all, all over it. But crucially, it's it's someone making a choice and it's someone sacrificing themselves for others. And, and I always think a doctor would do that in a heartbeat. So it's, it's that was the point of this. Um, but Guy, goodness me, I mean, he, he sort of sketched some ideas out. He, he, t he, he wrote this astonishingly quickly as well. And he'd sketched out some ideas and I'd read them thinking, yeah, think I know what you're doing with this this is going to be unusual but let's go with it and I mean, that's one of the strengths of the Companion Chronicles range is that you can do different things so yeah got that first draft and it just blew me away it's so different which I love really do I mean it's just not like anything else I've read or heard it is something about the beautiful power of stories and sorry it's a cliche but Big Finish's kind of expression is that we love stories and, and this for me really really embodies that Big Finish presents The Companion Chronicles The First Doctor Volume 2 Status report It's not good news <sighs> When is it? There's already talk of Arcadia falling and a new front opening up at the last hour and now this Numerous incursions now, my lady. They're targeting the First Doctor's timeline. I warned the High Council this might happen. Show me. The problem with using terror 
is that it ends by terrifying its users too. No one trusts each other. Everyone fears retribution. The revolution shall devour its children. Hasn't someone in Paris said as much? That was Vernio. He has been guillotined. Exterminate! She had a whole life ahead of her. Silence! Stephen? Stephen, my boy, are you there? Doctor, am I pleased to hear you? Yes, yes, I'm sure you are. Now, uh, look at this. These are gorgeous. Where do you shop, Carnaby Street? Uh, Who do you think you are? The Nuke of the North or something? Blooming kids. But how do they get past the locked doors? It wasn't kids. What's that, Duchess? It wasn't kids. It was the guys. The guys? The pile of rags. They stood up. They came at me. Ben, you saw their faces. We've mended the damage where we can, but now uh, we can't interfere. Not there. Not so close to... Perhaps. Where is the doctor's capsule heading now? Uh... Earth, Mutter's Spiral, their 16th century. Ah, then perhaps there is still something we can do. (sighs) Our revels now are ended. These, our actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits and are melted into air. Big finish. We love stories. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, thank goodness. It's you, I... I thought for a moment it was, uh, well, uh, I'll just sit down, down for a moment. I, I, I'm glad I, I met you, as a matter of fact. Um, there's something I, I want to tell you. When we start out on our next adventures, uh, uh, Jamie, Polly, Ben, um, Victoria, Zoe and I, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we visit new places. Uh, we also meet some new enemies. Uh, there's the evil Provost Curtis, uh, ruling a place called the Edge. There's the monstrous Integral. And there are horrible figures waiting for a special train in 1920. It's all just a little bit more frightening than last time. So, <clears throat> I, I want to warn you that if your, your mummy or, or daddy are scared, you, you just get them to hold your hand. Oh, here we go again. Uh, I better go. See you soon. I hope. Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Second Doctor, Volume 1, available now.